This is for Docile Farouk with MedTech Insight. Today we're joined by Robert Cowell, Chief Medical Officer at Medtronic's Cardiovascular Rhythms Division. Uh, Dr. Cowell, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be on with you, Danny. Uh, Rob, tell us a little about what your division has been doing over the past year to deal with the COVID crisis. You know, there's been a lot of uh, technological advancements in the division, but I think one of the ones that's been, um, uh, you know, one of the most exciting things and most relevant to dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic has been kind of our overall expansion of remote monitoring capabilities. Um, this has come about in, in a couple of different ways. One, we've extended our Bluetooth capabilities to our entire portfolio of devices, in particular our, our Cobalt XT line of, of defibrillators, um, so that those devices can now communicate to someone's smartphone via an app. The, the second thing is we've developed and presented the evidence to show that that app-based monitoring is better than traditional prior approaches to monitoring with bedside monitors. Third, the pandemic has brought about a renewed interest in what we call distance programming with our programmers. And then lastly, we've seen the emergence with our new Link2 device of true remote programming where with this insertable loop recorder, a patient can get their device programmed while at home. You know, looking at these devices, how do you see that transforming how Medtronic produces uh, products in the future? You kind of mentioned that this technology is better than actual bedside monitoring. Could you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so so I think what we've seen, uh, to take kind of a step back at the big look, you know, as we've developed improvements in the pacemakers, defibrillators, and loop recorders, We've seen this parallel improvement in how those devices communicate um, their information from the device um, to physicians. And so um, the, the, the latest achievement, um, as you point out, is um, the ability for a, a device through a Bluetooth connectivity to connect to a patient's smartphone and then via the app um, transmit that data to the portal that physicians use to review the data coming out of a patient's device. Um, this is a real improvement, uh, a sea change, if you will, from what we've done before. And what we did before was uh, one of two things. One, either the patient had to come into the office and have their device, what we call interrogated by a programmer, or they could have a bedside monitor at home where there was a, you know, a, you know, a small box next to the bed, and when the patient was in bed at night and the box was turned on, it could transmit data. Now, by having um, the transmit the transmission process work through an app on the phone, it means that you know, that connectivity is with the patient everywhere they go because most people carry their phones with them everywhere they go. You know, looking into the future, what does that mean in terms of connectivity let's say, on a network like a 5G network, you know, on cell towers? Are you guys at, at all kind of considering that capability? Yeah, no, absolutely. Across Medtronic, we're looking at the implications of that because what 5G is going to bring, for example, is just an increased speed. And with speed comes comes opportunity. Um, and, and so just an example of where switching this technology to the, to the phone and the app uh, has improved kind of that sense of speed. Um, we had a patient who was mowing their lawn and felt dizzy. Um, they went in there and sat on their couch um, feeling fatigued, not knowing what was going on. Well, it turned out that the 
uh, the device had sensed a problem with pacing, had transmitted through the phone to the clinic that a problem was going on. That patient received a phone call from the clinic that they needed to come in right away and have their device um, um, uh, altered and, and, and adjusted to deal with that. Had the patient had a traditional bedside monitor, they would have had to wait till they went into their uh, bedroom that night uh, in order to to have a chance of having that signal transmitted. And so that's just one glimpse with current, you know, the current improvements of where that can go in the future when we add other capabilities that things like, you know, as you point out, 5G bring to the area. And, and I also kind of imagine this has a significant impact on the clinical uh, trial arena. A lot of drugs and biologics are being tested. Are you working at all with other companies to um, use your products uh, for trial purposes, especially now that people can't actually go in to their trial sites to get, you know, uh, readings from their yeah. physicians. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, so that's a great question, and we're we're exploring that very carefully. So, you know, patients who have the diagnostic device uh, are link and link two devices. Um, there are um, a variety of clinical trials where all patients have that link two device, um, particularly in the atrial fibrillation arena, where we can um, use that device to test the benefits of, of different therapies. I think going forward, this opens the door to a lot of opportunities in clinical trials where um, patients who are enrolled can not only link the information coming out of their devices, but potentially off their phones so that the information we get to evaluate uh, a change in therapy is even more robust and the ability to really detect differences in the types of therapies patients uh, get will we'll be even that much, you know, better and richer uh, going forward. And now, you know, we've talked a lot about the benefits of these devices. I'm curious, you know, about some of the concerns that we've seen over the past couple of years about cybersecurity on the device. There's also a concern that, you know, considering it's so much of it relies on data on the cloud uh, platforms that it, it makes it more difficult to uh, keep those products safe. What do you say to that? And, you know, how is Medtronic approaching that issue? We take it extremely seriously. Um, first off, um, fortunately, we've seen no uh, credible evidence that we've had a device hacked or the cloud system hacked at this point or, or any effect on a patient. That said, um, um, this is a very serious issue that we look at, and we do a couple of things. First off, um, just like any other aspect of the inherent design of the device, cybersecurity is one of the components that goes into the design of the device, whether that's a remote monitoring application or the, the, a pacemaker or defibrillator itself. The second thing is um, we continuously monitor for any evidence that, that such an event could be occurring. And then thirdly, we work with um, partners, both internally and externally, to, to validate um, the work we do. And so that if, if someone brings to our attention that there could be a vulnerability, we explore it with them and act on it quickly. Interesting. Could you talk a little bit about some of the products that are in your current pipeline? What are some of the products that you're most excited about and kind of what can we expect uh, with those products in the next couple of years? Yeah, there, there are a couple things that uh, we're, we're really excited about. First off, I think the direction that this Bluetooth connectivity can go um, uh, is huge. Medtronic has been incredibly bold from the outset 
with remote monitoring. You know, we, 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 we conceived in the mid nineties of a internet portal at a time even before Google existed. Um, we then conceived of using Bluetooth that it's in, in the early 2000s at a time when flip phones were, you know, you know, running low on battery every time you turned on Bluetooth. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. I think the, um, the other spaces are within our devices themselves. Um, and, and, you know, uh, our leadless pacemaker line, Micra, um, has now, uh, its second generation Micra AV. We're going to be continuing to get data on, um, which patients, um, can benefit even further from leadless pacing, um, uh, who need pacemakers. And there'll be more clinical evidence coming there. We're also, uh, working on a ICD, a form of an ICD that also doesn't have leads, uh, in the blood vessels or the heart, what we call our EVICD project. And that is in clinical trials and we'll have data coming out on that in the next, um, two years as well. And I think the last area is this area about, around, um, distance programming and the ability using our current programmers to, um, to uh, do interrogations and, and programming uh, uh, um, applications for patients who are in non-traditional locations. So uh, through secure networks, programming specialists can control a programmer remotely, uh, and um, that, can, that can manifest a benefit in several ways. One, we've seen a case, for example, where because of COVID-19, one of our representatives could not get to a, uh, an implant of one of the very devices I mentioned, Micra, our leadless pacemaker, that occurred in Hawaii. But from San Diego, through a combination of the secure link to the programmer, along with a, a phone-based um, Zoom link, was able to support the case remotely and allow it to uh, uh, go on without, without um, any, any limitation or slowdown. The other area where that... Uh, uh, has a uh, huge impact is redefining how we do things like MRI. So right now, when, when a patient needs an MRI scan and they have a device, that needs to be reprogrammed by a specialist. Well, by deploying someone remotely to do that, um, a patient doesn't have to go to an MRI scanner and sit and wait for a specialist to come support their, um, their scan. Uh, this can be done remotely very quickly and increase the workflow and the benefit for everybody. So, so I think we're going to see this ongoing um, process of better technology and improved efficiency of care. So, you know, a lot of times whenever we see some sort of concern from the FDA about safety issues, you know, the, the recommendation is go to the go to your physician, uh, connect your device to uh, the physician's office and you'll get a patch or something. Are you telling me like in the future that won't be necessary, that those patches will be uh, coming in from Medtronic's uh, servers through these uh, remote programmers? The answer is yes, but I'm going to qualify that. So right now, um, some of our bedside monitors, we already can do that. The next step, we'll be able to do that with our um, diagnostic device. Um, the last step, we'll be doing that with our therapeutic devices like pacemakers and ICDs, um, where the utmost security and care is going to need to be taken, uh, of course. And um, so we will get there. But yeah, I think the whole theme that you bring up is, you know, our goal here is to allow patients to get the therapy they need in their world, right? We go to their world as opposed to making them come into our world to get the care they need. 
And little things like bringing a solution from a bedside monitor to their phone are the steps we need to take to continually get there so that our care is seamless. I mean, the ultimate compliment we can get from a patient is, boy, I feel better and I don't even know that pacemaker is there. To me, that's what success is all about. I mean, I almost think that, you know, the way that you're talking, that maybe COVID was kind of a blessing in disguise because it has kind of push you guys to think about more remote monitoring? How do you, uh, you know, take care of patients when they don't have the capability of going into a doctor's office or the hospital? Would that be, you know, is, is that the way you guys are seeing it? Yeah, you know, I, I think, look, we've, we've, we'd have always preferred that, that the, you know, the, the tragic loss we've seen with COVID hadn't occurred, but I think you hit it on the head. What COVID forced us to do was uh, as, as a as a as a medical as a healthcare community, was rethink our thoughts around what has to be in person and what can be done um, in 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 less acute situations, whether it's the home um, or, or the office instead of an emergency room or an emergency room instead of a hospital admission, and it's really pushed us to redefine what types of care. Um, we are willing to do. And, and video chat, for example, is a great example where most people didn't want to do that. And in the setting of COVID, they've opened the door to seeing that, wow, that may be a better approach. And remote monitoring, distance programming are other examples where people may have initially thought, wow, I'd rather just go to the office. But once they were forced to experience, we realized, wow, I don't want to give up on this convenience. This is a better way to do things. Does that feel like that's the case for, you know, Medtronic in general as well? Or do you feel like your corporate culture has changed because of COVID and you're kind of at a position where you're not going to go back to the way things were, that you're going to allow many of your workers to be able to work remotely? Oh, I think there is there is no doubt we're not going back fully to the way things were. I think, um, you know, Jeff Martha, our new CEO, talks about being a more nimble company. And I think part and parcel of being more nimble for, you know, the physicians we serve, the patients we serve, is being more nimble for the people who work for us. And that may be working from home, um, better use of, um, of, of kind of distance uh, technology so we can work from multiple locations around the world. Um, but there are going to be things that we definitely want to do in person. And some of that is going to be, hey, you know, look, it's it's time for a break. We do have to get together. And how do we do that more efficiently as well? Um, but I, I think you're, you're, you're a hundred percent right. We, we, we will not go back to business as it was, you know, 10 months ago. Being nimble and being to adjust rapidly is going to be the new way for Medtronic. Well, one of the things, you know, a couple of years ago, I was really, really interested in is, you know, when we're seeing these, the growth of these wearable technologies, you know, especially something like, the Apple Watch or, you know, Fitbits that have the capability of monitoring, you know, your heart rhythm. Um, and I think it was maybe Bill Mizell at FDA who encouraged uh, device makers to actually develop products that could, um, that were validated so that they could be used for clinical trials. Um, many of these products, I mean, th they're good for what they do, but they're not validated and you can't really uh, use them for clinical trials. Is Medtronic considering, you know, kind of stepping into that arena at any point, maybe developing wearable technology that could also be used in clinical trials and would be validated? You know, look, that's, that's an area we continue to explore and, and we'll be monitoring that space both from standpoint of an acquisition or an internal development. 
But ultimately, I think the important thing is that um, whatever data a device, whether it's implanted or wearable, generates has to be, to your point of validation, of a quality that we can make credible decisions based on that data. And I think that's going to be, no matter what we do, that's going to be the standard we maintain. Well, and you kind of mentioned something really, really interesting uh, about acquisitions. I know Medtronic is a big um, you know, company that has a lot of acquisitions in its past, but I also feel like COVID has maybe put a lot of smaller companies in difficulty, which makes them kind of prime for acquisition. Are you guys looking at some of these opportunities because of COVID where you might actually get a pretty good deal from a company because you know, they're just struggling during COVID? Yeah, look, I think we, we continue to, to monitor the space um, for uh, uh, opportunities that are there. Um, I think fortunately for a lot of these companies, it's starting to turn around. Um, but, you know, we're, we're monitoring to look for, for, for value, um, you know, in the way we did before. Um, but I think ultimately the key is still going to be the, the, the quality of the product um, and, and the outcome it can produce um, for, you know, ultimately for the patient and what they need. Looking at pre-COVID and post-COVID, how would you describe Medtronic as a company pre-COVID and how would you describe it in the post-COVID area? What do you think are the biggest changes the company has gone through? I think the biggest thing is how we're going to change. I'm not sure best how to characterize Medtronic um, pre-COVID um, because that's what I was used to. So it's hard to do that. But I think post-COVID, I think we're going to be renewed in a focus on outcomes, right? What are the best outcomes for patients? It's been, it's, it's been there before and that's not going to change. Um, but a little bit differently now, I think those outcomes, the, the opportunity for where those outcomes can, can be realized are going to be different with more of a focus on the patient being at home, um, the patient, um, uh, you know, where they live and where they interact. Uh, and I think the second um, uh, change, which which we talked about a little earlier, was kind of a change on how we do things internally with a lot more focus on different types of work opportunities for our employees. Um, certain things can't change, right? At our manufacturing facilities, products have to be manufactured there. But for people who are, are doing R&D or marketing work, there are a lot of opportunities, and we've learned that there there are ways that they can do their job that are different than we knew before. And, and we're going to continue to allow um, people to explore those boundaries. And, you know, Medtronic uh, produces a lot of uh, goods outside the U.S. And under the uh, current administration, there's been some concern about, let's say, uh, a trade tiff with China uh, and other companies. Uh, are you hoping that that will change with the new administration, or, or do you have any, you know, hopes and aspirations, uh, you know, as um, President Biden's about to step into the office in the next couple of weeks? We're going to continue to do what we do, no matter, you know, no matter what the outcome of the election was. Um, I think looking forward, um, you know, we we have plans that you know focus on bringing outcomes to patients through around the world and and bringing kind of therapy globally. Uh, we'll look forward to working with the, the Biden administration, whatever they bring. And likewise, um, you know, whatever whatever uh, governmental regulations come around the world, you know, our, our, our approach is going to be to work with them to, to get the goal of, of serving patients done. Is there any last thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with about what Medtronic is doing currently, what they should be looking out for, 
um, and, and all those areas. Yeah, no, I think what I bring back to is this, this, this idea of boldness. The whole reinvigoration of the remote monitoring space has kind of reminded us of the, of the bold things, decisions we had to make along the, t- uh, along the way to get here, whether it was starting, starting off with the idea of an internet-based portal when the internet was in its infancy or going to Bluetooth when, when most people were shutting off Bluetooth on their phone, the concepts of going to leadless or non-transvenous devices, um, we're going to continue with uh, that mindset that even though we're the leader in this field, the only way to advance it is to be bold and continue to disrupt what we do. Well, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, we will be following what you guys are up to uh, in the near future, and let's uh, chat again. Look forward to it. Real pleasure to speak with you today.